Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into this session. Lord, I ask that you would use this time to help us see the severity of the gospel and our lives that we live in you. I pray that you would give me grace to speak this clearly, and I pray for hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, welcome to the Majestic One podcast. Excited to have you on with us today. The aim of this podcast is to bring us into a deeper love for Jesus through the revelation of Jesus in scripture. Jesus is so beautiful. May God use this episode today to help us to see his majesty in an ever-increasing light. God bless you. Today, uh, I'm going to be talking about the topic of disqualification. Uh, Paul talks about this in several places, but he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 9. And I want to start there and kind of talk about the context of this passage and the importance of it. It says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in the race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. <clears throat> and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I really like this illustration that Paul is talking about how we have a race set before us that we are called to run. And we should run this race in a way, not just to kind of, you know, survive, but as if we're trying to be first place. We should go after Jesus to win the prize. We should go after him to take first place, as it were, in this illustration. And people do that for temperate prizes, for temperate uh, goals and ambitions. People do that for a Lombardi trophy, right, <laughs> um, in football and different things like that. Like, people are pursuing pursuing rewards, pursuing earthly gain, but it only lasts as long as you do in this life, and it doesn't last forever. Jesus said to lay up treasures in heaven um, where neither moth nor rust nor thieves break in and steal, where what you're actually storing up actually lasts versus what you gain in this life does not last. But then he goes on, and Paul talks about something pretty intense, and he says that he disciplines his body, and he tra he's training his body, and he's bringing it into subjection, right? So he talks a lot in like Romans 7, 8, and even Romans 6 about the flesh, and he talks about how we actually don't live by the power of the flesh, but we live by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're actually putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And Paul is saying here that he is 
disciplining his flesh, and he's not letting his flesh rule him, but he's ruling over his flesh. And he says, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. And that word for disqualified means cast away, it means reprobate, and it means rejected. So Paul is disciplining his body so that he's not cast away. He's disciplining his body so that he's not a reprobate. And he's disciplining his body so that he's not rejected. That's pretty intense. And that's really clear throughout some of these other verses we'll talk about here in a second. So in Romans, verse 128, Paul uses this same word that he used in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. And this word, that means reprobate, that means uh, one who is disqualified. This is the verse that, that Paul uses the same word and he says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And Paul is talking about people who are rejecting God and people who are living in sin and living um, in willful and persistent sin. Uh, Verse 29 and on says being filled with all unrighteousness sexual immorality wickedness covetousness maliciousness full of envy murder strife deceit evil mindedness they are whisperers backbiters haters of god violent proud boasters inventors of evil things disobedient to parents undiscerning untrustworthy unloving unforgiving unmerciful who knowing the righteous requirement sorry the righteous judgment of god that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them this is the kind of person that paul is making sure that he does not become and the way he does this is by disciplining his body and by beating his body and making it his slave meaning that he is not going to obey the dictates of his flesh to go after sin. Because he also says in Romans 7 that sin dwells in your flesh and sin is desiring to control you, to master you, and to make you its slave so that you follow its lusts and follow its passions and its evil desires. So we have to put those down in order to follow Jesus and actually obey him. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? So that's the same word um, being used here, disqualified. And he says to examine ourselves as to whether we're in the faith, so you and I can know that we're in the faith. He says then to test yourselves, Or do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? So we should know that Jesus lives in us. It says in Galatians 4 and in Romans 8 that if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he'll bear witness with our own spirit 
that we are children of God. So we can test ourselves based off of that right there, based off of the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit, and we can know that we're in the faith. And he says um, that Christ is in us unless we've become disqualified. So if we are now no longer in the faith, the Bible says that we've become disqualified, and no longer is God's presence dwelling in us, it's God's spirit dwelling in us, but we're actually separated um, from him. And that's what this word disqualified means, where you were qualified, but now you're no longer qualified. One thing I find about the Bible that is good, but it's it's not necessarily fun, is that it talks about some pretty hard things. And I don't really enjoy talking about topics like this necessarily. It doesn't really make me happy or it, it's not something I really enjoy doing. Um, but I do think it's something that is needed and that needs to be shared. And I... I think that these things aren't talked about almost at all in most contexts. And, um, yeah, it's such a big deal. This is the Word of God, and this is truth. And if we don't know this, and we just think how we live doesn't matter, and if we just think we're just good the way that we are, um, yeah, we're in, in a dangerous place. And so... Um, that's why I share this, and um, yeah, hope, hopefully you know the motive behind me sharing this. So. Okay, um, 2 Timothy verse 8, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, says, Now as Jannes and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So here Paul is talking about people who are, um, they're learning and they're gaining knowledge, but they're never actually able to come to the truth. And he's talking about people who, uh, a couple verses up, he says, they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And so there's a lot of that in our day where people have a form of godliness. They bear the name of Jesus and they think that their sins are taken away and they think that they're in the faith and they should be testing themselves. And they're actually not walking in holiness and they're not actually obeying the Lord. They're not... They think that God can be their Savior and He doesn't have to be their Lord. And they just live according to the flesh. And because they live according to the flesh, they're disqualified. And they may not know it, but that's they're denying the power of godliness. They're denying God's power, which is the Holy Spirit, to actually transform us. And that's the kind of person he's describing here. But this is, in verse 8, he uses that same same word and he speaks of people who are of corrupt minds and then who are disapproved concerning the faith. Um, so these people are disapproved. They're disqualified. 
concerning the faith. And they are actually outside of the faith, though they might think that they are in the faith. They'll have a form of godliness, but they actually deny its power. And that makes them disqualified. Titus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 uh, says to the, uh, to the pure, All things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. So here Paul is talking about these the same kind of people who they have a form of godliness, but they actually deny the power of God's spirit, and they deny God transforming them. And But here he says um, that they're unbelieving, and yet that they profess to know God. But the evidence that they do not know God is that their works deny Him. And because of this, they're abominable, disobedient, and disqualified. Hebrews 6, verse 8. Uh, but if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. And this word rejected means disqualified. It's the same word that Paul is using in 1 Corinthians 9. And, man, this context in Hebrews is super intense. Um, earlier, uh, the author of Hebrews talks about people who were once enlightened and if they've, taste, if they've tasted of the heavenly gift, they've become partakers of the Holy Spirit. They've tasted that God is good, and they've tasted of the powers of the age to come. If people like that, if they fall away, that it's actually impossible to renew them to repentance. It's impossible for them to be made right with God again. And then verse 7 says, For the earth, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it, and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it's rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. He's saying that if we are without good fruit, if we have bad fruit when we stand before God, we are going to be burned. That we're going to be burned just as like if someone was to come to their field that is supposed to be bringing forth a harvest, and it's not bringing forth a harvest, it's not doing what it was created for, that's worthless to the farmer, and he's not going to be pleased, in it, and he's just going to do nothing with it. And it, in a similar way, um, if we reject Jesus, and if we fall away, and if we go back to sin, and we reject the Lord, after we've tasted of his goodness, Taste of the gift of the Holy Spirit, of the power of the age to come, and we go back into our sin. He talks about how it's not possible for someone like that to be brought back to repentance. And that is so scary. And that should make us fear. It makes me fear. Not enough, probably, but it does make me fear. 
Um, but in this exact same context, he's saying that someone like that, they're disqualified. So we can clearly be disqualified. And being disqualified is someone who has been in the faith and they've tasted of God's goodness, they've seen his power, they've tasted of the Holy Spirit, and yet they fall away, and that person can be disqualified. Um, though they were in the faith, if they come outside of the faith, at that point when they've tasted of God so much, it's impossible for them to even come back. There's no place in their conscience and in their heart to actually get right with God, because repentance has to be a genuine choice. And so how can you genuinely be sorry for something you just chose to do completely willfully? That's that's the challenge. Uh, and so we need to be careful that we are not living in sin willfully um, and that we are um, at walking in godliness because if we aren't, we could very easily become one of these people who become disqualified. Romans 11 also talks about this, and it makes it quite clear as well. And in Romans 11, Paul talks about um, the possibility of the Jews being grafted back in and how we, since we are not natural branches and we're grafted into God's family, we could be cut back off. And that if we don't continue in God's goodness, that we would also be cut off. And... He continues on from there, and he says in verse 28 um, that concerning the gospel, um, the Jews are enemies for the Gentiles' sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, meaning they are still God's people, and God has still elected them. And that's what election is. When, when God elects us, when he elects certain people for a certain task, it does not mean that they are necessarily his children, but it does mean that they have been chosen for a task, at least in this case. And God chose Israel that through them he would bring the Messiah. And he fulfilled that. He did not do it because of their godliness, not by any stretch. He, he did not do it because they deserved it. You know, the Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment and they didn't deserve it. Neither did we. Nobody does. But um, even though they were, um, they actually rejected Jesus, um, the gospel, right? Their enemies, it says in verse 28, concerning the gospel. Uh, but yet they're still elect. And then it says in verse 29, for the gifts and the callings uh, and the calling of God are irrevocable. Other translations say are without repentance. And so Israel, they are God's chosen people, and that's not going to change. That calling is going to be there regardless of how they live, how they respond, because God has chosen them. And yet, it doesn't mean that they're his people in this context. Uh, I think the same is pretty clear. When you go to Matthew 7, Jesus talks about many, he says that many people will come before him 
and say, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many wonders in your name? Um, and, and Jesus says to them to depart from him. He calls them workers of iniquity. And he says that he never knew them, meaning he didn't have intimacy with them. He didn't have, the word there is gnosko, which is, in John 17, 3, Jesus defines what eternal life is, and he says eternal life is having relationship with God. He says that um, if we, gnosko is the word, if we know God, that we have eternal life. And that word is actually used in other places for sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. So in a spiritual context, it's really deep intimacy between our spirit and God's spirit. That's kind of, that's the kind of relationship that we're called to have. And Jesus says that, you know, these these people that he's speaking of in Matthew 7, uh, 21 through 23, that though, though they're doing miracles in his name, they don't actually know him. And <clears throat> you can see here in Romans that um, the callings and the gifts of God are irrevocable. Meaning that if even if somebody falls away, the calling on someone's life is still there. And the gifts are still there. And uh, that's a scary thought that... Um, Someone can be operating in the power of God and not know Him. And the reason they're operating in the power of God is simply because they have a calling and they have gifts. And those gifts aren't going to change. And it's God's grace and God's mercy that He actually still uses them because He's still furthering the gospel even though they're disobedient and even though they're not walking in holiness and they're not actually walking with God and they're not actually in relationship with God but they're being used by Him. So people can get saved through that, but that person doesn't know the Lord. And uh, that's a scary place. And so we want to stay away from that ourselves. Um, and we need to. And we need to fear God uh, in that. So, um, but yeah, in the same place, Paul is talking about people who, um, they have the power of God. They even have the Spirit of God um, at work in them, and yet they've fallen out of God's grace. They've fallen away from Him, and they're no longer in His kingdom, and yet the grace will be used. Like, the, the anointing will be still there. Um, and so, that's another thing for us to be concerned about um, for ourselves. Like, no matter, no matter how far you think that you've grown to, you should always be living your life in the fear of the Lord. And so to illustrate this a little bit more clearly, uh, Romans 1, 1, Paul says this. Speaking of himself, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. So Paul was called to be an apostle, and he was separated to the gospel of God. Then um, Romans 1, 6, seven. Paul says, starting in verse 5 actually, through him, Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, 
among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here Paul is talking about, in verse 1, that he has a calling, that he's called to be an apostle, and then he's speaking to the Romans and saying that they also have a calling on their life, that they are called to be um, saints. They're called to know God. And then the same same author, we go to First uh, Corinthians nine twenty seven. Paul, though he's called to be an apostle, though he has this calling on his life, he still has to discipline his body so that he's not disapproved. So even though God has elected Paul and said that, Paul, you are going to be an apostle. And now Paul has gifts on his life. He has a calling on his life. And that calling, as we read in chapter 11, those, those gifts and callings are without repentance. And they're not going to be taken away. So this is there. This is Paul has this anointing, and this is who he's going to be because of the anointing. And yet that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to know God. And so Paul has to discipline himself and make sure that he's still walking in holiness so that after he preaches to others, he himself is not disqualified. Um, again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul kind of says the same thing. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, <laughs> I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So, Paul, who is called to be an apostle, in the same exact um, book, excuse me, um, in the same exact book, he says that he could be disqualified, even though he's already been called. So just because you have a calling in your life does not mean that you're necessarily going to stand before Jesus one day and be uh, be qualified and be in his family and. Jesus said that many people would stand before him who had gifts and callings on their life. And they obviously walked in those things, and yet they didn't actually know him. And they, didn't, they weren't qualified. They actually were disqualified concerning the faith. And so this is a really big deal in Scripture. Like, this is massively huge. And we cannot think it's a small thing. We can't take it lightly. And if you're not convinced, I have two more verses that make this super, super clear. Um, Matthew 20, verse 16. This is red letters. This is Jesus speaking. So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. So here Jesus says that many people are called. God is calling many people. In fact, he's going after all people. But many are called, but few of those people who are called by God are actually going to be chosen by God. Few of them are actually going to be qualified when they stand before Him. Matthew twenty-two fourteen, 
here Jesus just finishes a parable and he talks about how Israel rejected him and how he came for their salvation and yet they rejected him and when God called them they still weren't chosen and the reason that they're not chosen is because um, because they actually rejected the invitation that God gave to them um, and the invitation here is the illustration is a wedding and he says that people are invited to God's wedding so to speak and that um, yeah, they are not actually chosen by God because they rejected him. And verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. So the same, same thing, where just because someone is called of God, that does not mean that they belong to God. Um, we want to be called of God and chosen of God. We don't want to be just one. We want both. So in Second Peter, Peter says in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Um, there's more context here that we'll read in a second. Um, but if you recognize, he literally just described exactly what we were just talking about before um, in Matthew 20 and Matthew 22, where Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. Here he says that we should be diligent to make that calling and that election sure. So we've been called by God that's awesome. And we should make sure that that calling is secure. But we've also been called to be chosen by God. We don't want to just be elected um, in the sense of God giving us a calling in our lives, a ministry, or gifts. It doesn't just stop there. But we should be diligent to make both of those things sure. Um, you know, it's possible to to have gifts of the Spirit and not use them. And it's also possible to, um, you know, to know the gospel and yet not be saved. And so we should use our gifts, and that's the calling that we have been called to. We need to use our gifts, um, and by those gifts actually fulfill the calling that's on our life. But beyond just that, we need to make sure that we're in the faith and we're actually walking uh, in the grace of God and we're actually truly saved and we're truly in the right relationship with God so that we're not someone like Jesus described in Matthew 7 who stands before him and says, Lord, Lord, and is rejected forever by Jesus. But some of the things that Peter talks about here... <clears throat> um, I'm going to start in verse 2. Actually, I'll just start from the beginning. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're saved by the grace of God, by the righteousness of Jesus. He's making that super clear. Um, yeah. 
verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power. Right? Just as we read about earlier, people who deny the power of God and they walk in ungodliness, that they actually have a form of godliness, but they're denying its power and they don't actually know God. Um, but here, um, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through us. So we partake of the divine nature of God, and through the divine nature of God, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we actually escape the corruption that's in this world. And we are not participating in the corruption of this world. We're actually participating in God's holiness and His righteousness and in the um, nature, the divine nature of God Himself. And it says that the corruption that's in this world is in this world through lust. The flesh and its passions, its desires, and the sin that dwells in the flesh will drive people through lust to commit evil and to commit sin. And that's what we have power over um, through the divine nature. That's why God's Spirit dwells in us, so that we have victory over sin and that we actually walk like Jesus walked. Verse 5, But also for this very reason, because we've been given God's divine nature, giving all diligence, <clears throat> add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his old sins. So if we're doing these things, we're adding virtue, which I think another way you could kind of describe that is character. If we're adding um, the virtues of God, we're putting on his character. If we're adding knowledge to our faith, if we're adding self-control, if we're not just being controlled by the flesh, but we're actually governing ourselves and actually living um, within the control. It says in Galatians 5 that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So this is by the Spirit of God that we add this to our faith. And then to self-control, we're to add perseverance. So that we can press through hardships and suffering and the things that we're going to face that are not easy, we're going to have to persevere through those things. And then to perseverance, we're to add godliness, we're to add holiness, we're to um, not rejoice in iniquity, but we should rejoice in the truth. And then adding to that, we should add brotherly kindness. And so we should be walking in the kindness of God. And then lastly, to that, we should add love. And uh, if you look at the list that 1 Corinthians 13 has 
of how it describes love and what it says that love is, um, these exact same qualities are actually found in 1 Corinthians 13. So I think you could truly sum up all of these things by adding to your faith love. And if you add the Bible's definition of love, you would never be unfruitful. Um, verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. And these are the things we should do to make it sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. That's such an incredible promise that we can live our lives without stumbling, without falling. Um, we don't have to have uh, ups and downs in the Christian life. We can grow more and more and more and become more like Jesus day after day. We're never going to be fully like him, but we're being made and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's talking about here. And so these are things we should be doing. If we want to grow and if we want to become um, someone who's maturing in the grace of God. And if if we're growing, uh, then our calling and election is sure. But if we stop growing, our call and election is sure by God's grace through faith. But um, if we stop growing, we're going to start to weaken in our walk with God. And if we, we stop growing and we begin to grow weak, we can grow to a point where we actually cross the line um, go back into unbelief, as we read in Hebrews 6, that, that someone could actually, um, you know, reject Jesus and says that they could crucify Christ again. Um, meaning they put him to a public shame and they reject him. And that if someone does that, even if they've t after they've tasted of his divine nature, that they, they cannot come back. And this is super scary. Um, so we should be making our call and election sure. We shouldn't just, you know, if God's been working in our lives and through our lives and he's, our calling is intact, and maybe, maybe we are one of those, um, <laughs> maybe we could say the same things that they say in Matthew 7, that, hey, um, you know, I cast out demons, or I've prophesied in your name. Um, that's in your calling. And so we can do that in just our calling. But we want to make sure our calling is sure and our election is sure. Um, we want to make sure we're in faith. Thanks so much for being with us today. I pray that the presence of God will manifest more richly in your life after listening to this episode. May God help us to see Jesus for who he is and cause us to fall in love with his glory. God bless.